0: hello college football fans and welcome to episode 103 of college football throwdown our first episode of 2021 i'm your host alex schmitz and today i am joined by my dad peter schmitz
1: Hello, Husker fans and college football fans. It's, it's good to be back and doing the podcast.
0: That's right. You might be able to hear that we're doing this in person. We're actually in Traverse City, Michigan right now, visiting my folks uh, for the past week. And we just got back from our own little uh, beer tour, going to a couple different bars that we wanted to see out of town. So uh, n- no beverage for the podcast tonight, but uh, we're still in good spirits. That's right. That's
1: right. We, pre- <clears throat> we did some pre game.
0: That's right. To make sure that we're ready. And for those of you who may be listening to College Football Throwdown for the first time, uh, we are a college football podcast done by the father-son duo by college football fans for college football fans. And we haven't done one in a while, so we'll be talking briefly about the national championship game, which we previewed on our previous podcast, as well as some of the developments that have happened in Nebraska football in terms of the spring game and recruiting updates. Uh, And looking a little bit ahead into this upcoming 2021 season. So to start things out, we are going to go with that national championship game, as I mentioned. Um, On the previous episode, we actually also did that in person back at the campsite you guys were staying at in Arizona. And we were joined by your brother, AJ, for that one. And so we all gave our traditional predictions for that national championship game. Uh, I predicted that Alabama would win uh, 38-31 over Ohio State. Uh, you predicted 38 24 and AJ predicted 42 34. Uh, so I thought it'd be the closest, and I guess that means I lost. Because uh, <laughs> the final score ended up being uh, Alabama 52 and OSU 24. <laughs> so a little more lopsided than any of us In were AMS. thinking. You said you got, got 20, 24, right? You got 24 got right from States. O- OSU, just needed a couple extra touchdowns for Alabama. Um, and that was a weird game, as you recall, because um, their star running back, um, Sermon, Trey Sermon, yeah. re- li- literally ran the first play of the game. They got the got ball, hurt. got hurt immediately, was out. And it was already like, oh, shoot. Like, they need every weapon they can get. Right. And uh, they just, just lost there one were, of their there best players. There were just a few,
1: pl- uh, a few things that happened there in the first five minutes of that game that just spelled doom for Ohio State's real opportunity and they never were able to get back up off the mat i mean they got knocked down by those unexpected events and then boom uh you know it was just steamroll after that it really never seemed like it was in doubt so yeah yeah yeah
0: well it was so the first that's right the first quarter uh it was tied up seven to seven true but wasn't there some sort of thing that you had mentioned at the time i remember somebody somebody had said like oh it's uh it might be 7-7, but, like, we figured them out, boys. Things are going to be fine. right? Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, from there, in the second quarter, they uh, ended, went into the halftime up 35-17. And, yeah, they just kind of controlled the whole second half. Right. Yeah. Oh, so you really couldn't get anything going.
1: They really couldn't. And, uh, and Alabama was just doing their thing and probably could have named the score a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, if they had really wanted to push some things offensively, they probably could have put some more yards on him, more points on him, but they didn't need to. And you know, that's typical Nick Saban style that that once he is confident he's in secure of the game, then he he basically shifts it down a gear and, and just tries to grind the clock and finish the thing off and just be done Right.
0: With it. Well an interesting note I'm reminded looking back at this, um, there uh Alabama was actually the only team with a turnover. They had one fumble. Right. Uh Ohio State had no turnovers. Um, And their rushing yards were equivalent, 147 to 157. Right. uh, But passing is where Alabama was just killing them. It was 464 versus 194. Right. uh, Which added up to 621 total yards of offense for Alabama and 33 first downs. So... Yep. Yep.
1: It was control of the football game for sure. Yep. And even though, like you say, I I mean, they, they... They didn't have to run it so much because they were passing it with such effectiveness. And uh, that's what they did.
0: Yep. Yeah. And I guess, yeah, they probably went to the rushing later on just to wind down the game because it was over at that point. Right. Um, So, yeah, disappointing from a spectator perspective. And, of course, all of us predicted that Alabama would win. It was obvious they were the more talented team. Um, but Ohio State had, you know, surprised everybody with their not just upsetting Clemson, but blowing Clemson out. Right. So that, I think, kind of gave people some hope, like, whoa, well, maybe they really can do this. You know, but like I said, losing Trey Sermon right away, and they had other injuries. Their quarterback was right. kind of not
1: 100%. Well, and they had some offensive and defensive linemen who were uh, out because of COVID, if I remember. It was that's like true. eight or ten players that were unavailable for the game. Not all of them starters, but but could certainly a lot of contributors. Um, so that that had a huge impact even before the game was started. Yeah. So a Nick weird, Saban wins another one. Well, and a weird year, right? Just well, a weird yeah. year overall. So I'm not um, – this is one of those things where, you know, the national championship, yeah, I'm sure because it's Alabama, you know, it's going to count no matter what. But but, uh, but it's one of those years where you just kind of check it off and move on. And I'd like to think that that uh, also applies to Nebraska.
0: <laughs> Let's hope so. Let's hope so. Uh, speaking of the Big Red, um, we had our spring game. Uh, when was it now? May it was,
1: 1st, I think it that's was.
0: That's correct, May 1st. So about a month and a half ago now. And uh, the score for that game ended up being White winning 21-20. to 20. The White team kind of
1: had <laughs> Scored a, on the last play of the game. In fact, it right. was an extra play. Uh, Scott... Uh, Allowed them. The clock had had expired in the official game, right? Uh, but because they had had this marching down the field opportunity, Scott made the decision to go ahead and let them play one more snap, and uh, they scored a touchdown. <laughs> yeah.
0: So from that perspective, it was exciting. It was yes. fun for the fans for sure. Yeah. Um, and this spring game had some kind of unique rules in that it was fully touch touch only, no tackling for the first, first half, half of right. the game. Uh, primarily because we had had a recent kind of spat of injuries from some important players, so right. they're being a little more cautious.
1: Right. Uh, they, they, you know, the way they describe it is that their spring practice had been very physical. Uh, they had accomplished and, and seen a lot of what they needed to see. They wanted to be able to show off for the fans a little bit, but they were also super focused on on protecting their their you know starting forty four. So that early first half, you know, effort was to you know get as many of the of the top forty four or fifty players through the first half without any substantial injuries, and then the second half was spent mostly among lower unit players uh being able to battle it out and really show themselves for not only uh the coaching staff but maybe for future uh coaching staffs as they consider their futures with which we'll get into a little bit with uh transfers and the like uh going forward,
0: yeah. Um, and obviously we could go over like the stats for the game, but those don't really seem too important because it's all our same team. Uh, so I'd rather kind of focus on the players that stood out to us right. from the game. Right. Um, one that definitely stood out to me was uh, Yance, who had nine rushes for 63 yards. Yep. Um, and uh, the thing I don't think those numbers reflect is that uh, some of those were good runs, you know, like... Where he,
1: uh, where he was earning the yards. Yeah, right? he was
0: earning the yards, you know, and maybe like, you know, if he had been able to break one more tackle, he would have been off the races, kind of thing. Right. You know,
1: and he 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 got a lot of buzz, so that's not a name that won't be unfamiliar to Husker fans who might be listening to our podcast for sure. Uh, but he is a he's a guy that we kind of got, um, you know, because of some relationships uh, that some of our coaches had with some schools down in Florida. Um, he comes to us as a walk-on, but he, he has the potential to be a, a scholarship-level type talent. Um, and so we are really lucky, blessed to have someone like that. But he he showed that he uh, needs some work. Um, he, uh, he's going to have to prove that he can block in all those passing situations that occur in Scott Frost's ho- offense. And he also needs to develop more stamina. As even in the spring game with the fairly limited number of carries he had in that there were times when he needed to uh, either take himself out of the uh, off the field or um just uh, uh did not perform as well when he had to do things in back to back plays that sort of stuff so he's got some um you know endurance. workout endurance issues that he needs to work through uh before he's going to be the kind of player that we would want to be a a a, a guy that our coaching staff would have confidence in that could be a every down kind of player, uh, but I would agree with you that the running backs in general, I think we saw flashes from a number of guys that are potentially capable of being very good, um, you know, solid uh, running backs. Did anybody just absolutely splash and and be like, uh, you know, uh, Mo Washington was a few years ago, where it was so obvious the talent that he had? No, I don't think we have anybody like that, but I think we have a stable of running backs that are pretty solid and salty and, uh, and are maybe better, uh, physically, uh, ready to do the, uh, um, the, the rigors of the big 10.
0: Yeah. And the, the other kind of leading uh, rusher on the other side of the team on the red team was Marvin Scott, who had 11 rushes for 75 yards. Um, so yeah, I would agree with you, you know, and I think that was the general theme I saw from the uh, from the game was that, you know, there weren't a ton of like major superstar standouts or anything like that, but there were promising signs in a lot of places.
1: Right, I, I would agree. I, I think that this is a team uh, roster right now that is composed of players that can help us win a lot of Big Ten games, and I think it's been a deficiency of Scott's roster in the years prior that he had some talent but he did not have a, a roster with enough players that were big 10 ready and that's the key for this season i believe is how many of those guys that appear to have gotten themselves in a position by both their maturity their physical um, you know stature and, and 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 recruiting and such that we now have a team that looks and feels and appears to be an nfl uh, i mean a uh, Big Ten caliber football team. Um, I think there's still some gaping holes that we have that we still don't have um, for the team that will keep us from being a real championship contender, but uh, uh, I think that's a team that will allow us to be competitive in almost all of our games.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, And then switching to the quarterback play, of course, everyone's eyes were on Adrian uh, coming out again in his senior year now, and he only played in that first half, which was touch only, like we mentioned. Um, and he ended up uh, throwing it uh, 12 times for out of 20 attempts uh, for 127 yards with one interception. Um, and that one interception was an ugly one. Yes. Uh, so, you know, I, my opinion of it, of Adrian's performance was basically about average in that, you know, he had some nice, nice throws. He also... Tucked it and ran it, you know, for some first downs and some good situations. Um, But then he also had the occasional uh, pass that just totally missed or, you know, where he threw it into uh, bad coverage, like in the case of that interception.
1: Right. I I would agree with you that, that Adrian did not splash in some huge positive way. Although I think he did on his running skills, which leads me to the conclusion that, you know, he was quite banged up at the end of last season. And it seems that he has leaned himself out a little bit. He's a little lighter than he, he appeared the previous season. So um, uh, I think I, I liked what I saw with regard to his running skills. I felt like, for the most part, his decision-making was okay. But he still showed, uh, particularly in the case of that interception that he threw, uh, just a, a poor combination of decision and physical de- delivery was a problem. So, um, yeah. I, 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 you know, is he good? I think he's capable of being a very good quarterback for us. But I still am concerned about, ultimately, is he going to continue to be that bad decision maker who basically is good for two to three turnovers every every game? And if he is, then he's going to lead us to some victories and he's going to lead us to some defeats because of his own individual decision-making
0: yep and i have it here he ran it nine times for 49 yards so for a half of play that's pretty good i'd say yes um and then also uh then to replace him in the second half uh logan smothers was in a lot um and he uh threw it eight times out of 13 no interceptions for 76 yards right um and uh of the other quarterbacks that played I, i i was definitely most impressed by him um beyond Adrian Um, you know he showed some like you know competence you know but also some of those jitters that you'd expect from a young player like that Mm -hmm. Um, but um, I think that you know he showed potential in his throwing arm um, that uh, you know as he practices more he could be a solid backup
1: yes and and it's interesting because he he represents the, the, the the type of quarterback that Scott was initially recruiting um uh, to Nebraska and now I think they're kind of changing their direction on that and uh um the young freshman who had come in early Har- Har- Harburg I'm I'm messing his name up but but uh he's he's the young young fellow that's from the state of Nebraska but has a heck of an arm and he showed some great arm strength in in his uh you know performance during the spring game but he's not the running athlete that Luke, or that uh, Smothers. Smothers is, uh, or uh, Adrian was, or Luke McCaffrey was. So I mean, those it's a kind of a contrast in styles that we're seeing transition. I think it's Scott recognizing that he needs to get uh, some quarterbacks in his stable of options that are really good throwers that they can that have the accuracy to deliver all the passes that they need to to do in that offense.
0: Yeah. Uh, Harburg, he threw it, uh, he completed nine passes out of 23 with one interception. So mm-hmm. not a great completion rate, but right. he got 120 yards on those nine passes. So right. So like you say, prove that he's got some strength. He does. On that arm. Yes,
1: he does. And, uh, and he's, again, that's a, that's a guy who is supposed to be going to prom this spring. So, I mean, he's a young bo- boy that, or young fella that's going to just keep getting better. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh we didn't get to see him much in the game in terms of uh, switching to receivers right now. What were your thoughts on what we saw of Omar Manning? Because I know he's gotten a lot of talk in the build-up.
1: Right. I I thought Omar played well at times. Um, he did drop one ball that uh, um, mm. during the game that that really was very very catchable and would have would have certainly excited the crowd had he been able to finish that play. Um, yeah. So I, I think he's one. a guy that that has amazing physical skills, but, but I think he's still uh, very much a work in progress in terms of having the mental toughness and stability uh, to be a consistent performer, especially in crunch situations, you know, I, I, until I begin to see him make great catches in critical situations. It's one thing to make that spectacular catch against a lesser team uh, in garbage time or in a game where you know you're pretty comfortably the superior team. It'll be another thing when he's playing against an Oklahoma or a Michigan or, you know, heck, any of the Big Ten teams, really. Um, and it's a critical third down. We need the first down. Is he the guy that can catch that ball? And mm-hmm. if he's doing that, then then I'm going to be very excited about, you know, where he can lead because his physical skills are off the charts.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, switching to the defensive side of the ball, um, Obviously, the game was back at the beginning of May, so I will admit I, some of the details are fuzzy. But I remember there being some, you know, like knockdowns of passes, and you know, the defense seemed like they were, you know, getting excited when somebody on the team made a good play and things like that. Um, so, you know, because there was quite a few times where, you know, like the red team would get a drive going and then kind of get stopped, and then either punt it or they brought out uh the field goal kicking team. Right. Um so what what were your takeaways on the defensive side yeah, of the ball? I,
1: I would say that the 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 takeaway I have on the defensive side is that we we demonstrated in that spring game that we have more depth than we've had in a long time. We have some tremendous size and depth along our defensive line. Um I think we have some still some major issues with pass rushing, both out of the outside linebacker and the defensive end position. I think we have some good, solid players at those spots, but we have no difference makers. We don't have a guy that's going to be remarkable in terms of pass rushing and that sort of stuff. I mean, uh, um, there are a few guys that that flash a little bit that way, uh, but again, until we start seeing it in, in consistent fashion this fall, I would say that all uh, what I am confident is is that our defense will be solid against almost everyone we, we play, um, but we need some guys to rise to that next level over these you know this is going to be a a great period of development for them because of when spring practice ended and then all the way until the first game they've got a lot of time to you know continue to work on their skills work on their strength and their conditioning and their quickness and we need them to emerge in the fall ready to be difference makers Mm
0: -hmm. totally agree with that um, you might have noticed, and to the Nebraska fans out there, this will probably be old news to many of you, but we didn't mention certain names like uh, Luke McCaffrey or Wandale Robinson in this spring game breakdown, and that's because both of those players, along with a few others, have transferred out of the program. Um, McCaffrey was, we kind of knew that that was coming because he is dead set on being a quarterback. Um, well, and we, we, were... we
1: speculated about it, but then all the indications were... You know that it looked like maybe he had decided to go ahead and stick it out, you know, uh, and i I get the impression he left that indication with the coaches because I think <clears throat> although they knew the, the circumstance and understood that there was certainly a possibility that Luke would leave, uh, I think they felt confident based on the conversations that they had been having with him um, that th- that he was going to stick around, mm-hmm. but then it didn't happen
0: right. Which is obviously a bummer because clearly Luke's a, a great yeah. athlete, very fast, and we were, were able to get some good use out of him in the wildcat formation and things like that. But when Adrian was hurt and we had to bring Luke in as our main guy, he proved that uh, while he's got great legs, his throwing just isn't. Care. Yeah, it just isn't at the level we need in the for Big Ten, you know, prime time football. Um, but the the bigger shock to me was Robinson for sure um because you know although obviously it's frustrating that he's played well and done gotten these good stats here and yet you know he has all these losing records to look at um i can understand his frustration there but i know part of it was also personal and that he wanted to be closer to his mom who's uh, going through some sicknesses and things like that um so what was what was your read on the robinson situation when that first was announced
1: Yeah, now, see, that wasn't as much of a surprise to me because there there was a lot of, uh, uh, you know, uh, what do I want to say, rumblings going on for a long time. So it was pretty clear that he was frustrated with the offense and and how he was being utilized a little bit. I think he he probably felt like he was being used at running back too much um, and being asked to basically – be the, the guy that made plays in between the tackles in situations where I don't think he would have liked to have done that or didn't like doing it. And it was causing him to get beat up. So I think he uh, had hoped and had visualized that the offense that Scott ran, you know, out of that duck R position, that he was going to be finding himself, you know, one-on-one um, in open space and being able to make guys miss. And instead, uh, we often were uh, relegated to bringing him in and using him as a running back from the backfield, and mm-hmm. that was probably not his preference. And so, after the season was over, he did an assessment in, in his own personal situation, and yes, the the, the family uh, element was certainly a part of it, but I think a, a greater part of it was was his desire to really get himself in a different situation offensively. Um, ironically, I think we now have the wide receiver room with uh, the the. Uh, selection of large, tall, big, wide receivers, talented wide receivers that we have, young but, and inexperienced, but certainly talented, um, that he would not have been having to carry the burden that he did before. Running back room also, I think we have more depth and a little bit more maturity there. Are some guys who were true freshmen last year that are now redshirt freshmen, been with the team for a little longer. So Wandell, if he had had the patience to stick around, I think there would have been a payoff for him in the more traditional Duckar role, but he didn't choose to do that. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, which is definitely a bummer because he you know, has been such a difference maker in the years that he's been here. Well, he's going to
1: be a talent wherever he is. and He's landed at Kentucky, his mm-hmm. home state, and so we'll get to see how he does. Although, ironically, I think their offense was worse than ours. So <laughs> uh, I'm not sure. It depends on what all transpires with them. I think they have a new coordinator and some other new pieces too that might dramatically change the look of their team and of course we still have the same quarterback we're still going to be going with Adrian so maybe that was part of it too as he knew that if he'd stayed at Nebraska he was going to be uh, basically limited by Adrian's ability or inability to get him the ball for at least another year
0: right yeah that makes some sense so what is kind of your impressions because I know there have been some other transfers of players of a you know, smaller scale than the two we just mentioned, but there have been others. Um, but then at the same time, Scott's been recruiting and we've gotten some, you know, more highlight recruits here recently for the upcoming class. So what's your kind of feeling on who we've lost versus who who we've gained here in these first six months of 2021?
1: Right. Well, I would say that, you know, our, our 2021 class was a pretty solid class. OK, we we uh, we met a lot of our needs except for that. You know, uh, difference maker, defensive end, rush outside linebacker type of player, and so that's the area that continues to be the one we miss on. Um, but I would say that uh, overall, I think we we continued to stock the shelves, so to speak, with guys that were that are capable physically of being the kind of players we need them to be to be competitive in the Big Ten. You know, I, I look at this as a mountain we're climbing, and and you got to kind of take the, the the lower paths of the mountain before you can get to the higher end, and we're in that process right now, and and, and I'm okay with where we are because, you know, getting frustrated that we can't get better talent when we know it's there, we know there's more talent out there, but we're not getting the interest from them, and rightfully so based on our recent experience, our recent performance. So, um, uh, I would say that uh, Wandell is a an absolute loss. There's no doubt about it, and it's going to hurt that we don't have him. Um, So the question is, um, who else? Luke, he is a tremendous athlete. That would have been a great asset for us, especially if he had been willing to maybe consider doing something other than quarterback, or at least been willing to do quarterback and something else uh, working both angles. Uh, He seemed, you know, committed to to, uh, staying at the quarterback position, which was Something that he probably wasn't going to have a great deal of success with at Nebraska, so he moved on. Uh, we'll miss him, but I think we got other young quarterbacks that will step up. Um, Wandell will will be missed. All the other guys, you know, we've lost a couple of running backs and some other positions. And yes, I would have loved to have seen them evolve and develop, but you know what? I think we're going to be fine in all those spots. Wandell's the guy I'm going to miss. Yeah, yeah, me and I too. <laughs> the, team's to, the team's going to miss.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um. Yeah, well, because I know we got a uh, a five star transfer uh, from one of the bigger schools from recently. Ohio State
1: recently. Yeah, now and then, uh, yeah. So the 2021 class to kind of summarize very briefly on that, you know, the, the, uh, most people going back to December knew most of our class. We only had one addition in that second uh, signing day in early February, and that was the the, the good uh, linebacker from Hawaii. Um, and uh, um, and I'm going to butcher his name here uh Hahuli, uh, 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 <laughs> and he's a he was a great player. I had a, a phenomenal film, so I think he's a guy that will help us a great deal um, in in the linebacker room. But uh, that's probably still a year or two away, right? So now we're looking at this class. This class is going to be unique in that because the the senior class last year was so small, we really right now are are, are looking at a scholarship class of maybe 14 players. Now, as more players likely leave the program between now and, you know, the beginning of fall camp, um, we probably will see that number go up. Uh, the good news about this class is we just recently in the last few weeks picked up our, our quarterback recruit, and typically Scott has only recruited one, one scholarship quarterback per season, and it's always nice to get that guy in the fold so he can peer recruit other players. Uh, we've picked up a couple of nice good size wide receivers, um, but this is a class with only 14 in size, you know, you're not going to see five offensive linemen and, you know, four defensive backs and all that sort of stuff. You're you're going to have to kind of pick, pick a little more selectively, right? So that's what they're doing right now. Um, they're going though with guys that are maybe lesser uh, in perception, right? They're more three-star type of players rather than the four-star players that we were going after before, and I think that's a a reflection of the poor performance on our field. Uh, I mean, you're just not going to continue to get, you know, uh, rivals 250-type athletes to express great interest in you when you continue to lose football games. And so this year becomes super critical for what happens in the the remaining years, the next few years. Uh, But I think we have the talent already pooled from Scott's previous years to have a pretty salty team this year. Uh, the, our bigger challenge, then, is the schedule we are faced with.
0: <laughs> very true, very true. Um, yeah, we've talked in the past about how this is going to be a uh, a very important year for Scott just in general because now we've had three years of disappointing losing seasons. And so, uh, you know, now we have Adrian as a senior quarterback, all that sort of stuff. So this is really the time for the team to come together um, and Scott to show that like his system can work in the big 10 um, or else there might be trouble and we might be getting a new coach. So we'll see. But to your point, um, it is going to be a tricky schedule this year. And I believe we've also said in the password where we might very well have a better team this year, but still have a similar record just because our schedule is so tough because one of our non-conference teams is Oklahoma and we're playing at Oklahoma, which obviously, uh, as a Nebraska fan it is very exciting just to have that rivalry back, you know, from the gold uh, big 12 days and the big eight before that and all that good stuff. Uh, but from a, uh, you know, scheduling and win loss record point of view, it's rough because we're almost certainly going to lose that game. Um, and so that's another loss on our record, obviously not in conference, but still might hurt our perceptions. Um, and then we're also playing at Michigan State, at Minnesota, at Wisconsin, and playing home with Ohio State, Michigan, and Northwestern.
1: Right, right. And so uh, we 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 do have a, a challenging schedule just in terms of the the uh, um, what do I say the East Division trade off that we have this year. You know includes Michigan State, Ohio State, and uh, Michigan. I mean that's a that's that's a maybe one of the tougher draws that you could get, although Michigan State's down and rebuilding a little bit right now too. So we're, we'll hopefully we'll have a shot at that game uh, mm-hmm. early early this season. But uh, that's a coach there that has, that beat Scott Frost twice at uh, when he was head coach Colorado, mm-hmm. and uh, so uh, I think this guy feels pretty comfortable about his ability to prepare a team for Scott Frost's offense. That won't come as any big shock to him. Um, so, uh, but that's going to become a critical game. Uh, I think the, the, the bottom line is we need, to, we need to eke out a six and six season. If Scott can do that, I, I think he can begin to build momentum, especially if we get a six and six season that then is capped with a victory in a minor bowl game, right? Um, and then we can kind of try to build off of that towards, um, you know, leveraging the improved culture. And the improved knowledge and expertise, especially on the offensive side of the football, to do the, the right thing. But this is a peak year for our defense because we've got so many, you know, of, of the uh, super seniors, as they're called now. The guys coming back <laughs> right. who get the extra year because of the NCAA uh, rule uh, for COVID. Uh, you know, we're going to have probably four of the super seniors coming back who are starters. So instead of having, you know, six starters, we, uh, not six, uh, instead of having five uh, returning starters, we're going to have about eight or nine. You know, mm-hmm. so our defense, at least front line, will be guys with lots of experience, and you hope that translates to higher performance.
0: Yeah. Well, and frankly, as we discussed last year, you know, although um, there are certain difficulties we've had with the defense and with uh, the overall coaching of them and the playmaking decisions and things like that, you know. Uh, frankly, they kept us in a lot of games, and it was the offense's inability to capitalize on those opportunities that really lost us games. So um, that's that's the area where I'm looking to see the most improvement, personally, is on the offensive side of the ball. Um, one interesting thing looking at our schedule here is, if I'm not mistaken, we play eight games in a row before we get our bye week between Minnesota and Purdue – Then we get another bye week before we play Wisconsin, which will be nice, which is at Wisconsin. Right. Uh, But eight games in a row with no bye will be a rough stretch because that also involves... But we did that
1: to ourselves.
0: Oklahoma and Michigan State and Michigan.
1: We did that to ourselves in part because uh, another change that occurred this season. We remember we were scheduled to play Illinois in Ireland in week zero. Uh, Yes, yes, yes. And then uh, we were going to take a week off. Uh, to uh, help uh, provide some time for the return trip, not have too much jet lag after that, and so then week one we weren't going to play anybody, so we had a we had a, a, a basically a week one week two uh, buy, which made sense when you were travel traveling over to um, Ireland, but now that you're not, you didn't want that, so then we rearranged the schedule a little bit and we put in a game in that early season time frame. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we still have the Illinois game. At first game of the year. So we're going to play a Big Ten Conference game, first game. At Illinois. At Illinois. And then uh, and then the next game is uh, uh, Fordham, and Fordham was the add-on, right? So we added them in so that we could then have uh, a later season bye. Uh, bye week, and it turns out we're going to get two then in that latter part of the season, which kind of makes more sense. You know, uh, the only concern would be if we end up getting really banged up during, during – uh, uh, preseason practice and you wished you had a a early season game to rest everyone or a week to give everybody a little break and kind of re-get their legs um but hopefully that won't be the case this year that we won't have that situation and you know our guys will be there and hopefully uh, uh, frankly a game like Fordham that needs to be a victory that needs to be not just a victory but a pretty easy victory right one Mm -hmm. where we play a lot of time put a lot of time to our second and third teamers right
0: and I mean frankly uh that Fordham game is the only one on the schedule that really is like a, you know, we should win this comfortably because like you say, at Illinois is going to be, you know, they beat us last year. Yep. And then Buffalo is a very talented team. Yep. Obviously Oklahoma is very good. And
1: that Buffalo is a team that was extremely talented last year, but has lost their head coach and lost quite a number of players, you know, who graduated and moved on. Um, So they're a team that we should beat, especially now, that they have uh, a new coaching staff and everything. That all happened kind of late because that coach at Buffalo was hired at Kansas. Mm, okay? okay, it was That's a late right. it was a late hire process. So so as a result, um, I would like to think that that was a game we could win. But that new coach at Buffalo is uh, a guy from Michigan staff. So he's going to be familiar with Nebraska, and uh, it, you know again, no surprise there. So. So he could uh, take the talent that's been recruited at Buffalo and still make things interesting if we're not ready to play.
0: Yep. Yep. So, yeah, and like you say, you know, kicking things off at Illinois against a team that beat us last year, which is a Big Ten game. Yep. you know. And, so And they, more than
1: anyone, they have a new coach also. Um, they fired their coach, hired a new coach, but a ton of their seniors came back. So mm-hmm. they have like 20 out of 22 returning starters. I mean, almost their entire team is back. And so um, they are going to be a very difficult team to defend. And we don't really know what they're going to do, right? We kind of do because we know the the leniency or the inclination of the new coach, right? Uh, Because he's a guy that coached at Wisconsin, coached at Arkansas. He's got a lot of history, right? But he's now hired a whole new staff um, and the tweaks that they might be making to their overall offensive philosophy – we're not going to know that until it unfolds in front of us in game one. So we damn well better be ready and well-versed defensively because we don't know what's going to be coming at us.
0: Right. Yep. yep. So that's the thing. Like you say, you know, a 6-6 six and six schedule is, you know, something yeah. to kind of aim for. Ideally, <laughs>
1: as you look at this schedule, you know, you've got Illinois, Fordham, Buffalo, and, and and then Oklahoma, and then the Big Ten really kicks off with the Michigan State game. Well, after that Oklahoma game, you'd like to be three and one, right? Right? You'd really like to have found a way to beat Illinois, a team that we frankly have better talent than, right? Uh, and then you got Fordham and Buffalo, both teams that are inferior to you in terms of your roster. Um, so as long as you don't shoot yourself in the foot like you've been doing for you know all three years under Scott Frost, and you find a way to play reasonably clean football, you win those games. Now you go down to Oklahoma all bets are off right you you just you want to compete you want to measure yourself and say okay how far have we come right at 3 and 0 you know there can maybe be a little excitement about that game but then you have to bounce right back go to that michigan state game and get back on the horse and and get it back on the winning track and if we can do that then all of a sudden the northwestern game becomes huge right for, for nebraska season so so very early in the season because the latter end of the season it gets brutal i mean it gets brutal you know, you look at the back end of that, that schedule and, and you've got, you know, Northwestern, Michigan, at Minnesota, um, Ohio State, at Wisconsin, and Iowa. I mean, our, you know, six of your last seven games. So that's going to be a brutal schedule to get even two or three wins out of. Right. I mean, if we're two and four out of that those games I just described, that would be a pretty darn good uh, measure. Right. To your point,
0: though, both of our bye weeks are in that latter half of the season. So right. So that... Uh, will hopefully help us out, right? And maybe we get um, go
1: three and three in that stretch. But
0: I I see your point in that that Northwestern game, which is the uh, sixth game, right. right? Right, there in the middle. Yep. That's going to be a key game. It is,
1: and if we can win that, and and we might find ourselves at at you know uh, five and one at that point, right? Right. Then we have a decent chance of getting the sixth game, six victories, and maybe even seven. If we don't, if if we're not fighting for our fifth win there, then a six and six season is is going to be really tough to achieve. Right. So,
0: Yep. And it is a home game, so that, right. that part helps us out yes. with that Northwestern game. All right. Very good. Well, is there anything else you want to preview about the upcoming season before we wrap this up here? Well,
1: I, I was just going to say I I, I have uh, an opinion that I, I want to encourage to our listeners and to you especially as well as that, you know, I, I've decided that I, I would rather be optimistic than pessimistic. <laughs> and so... I, I am going to say that this is the year where some of the efforts that Scott has been putting in, toiling in, um, but has not yet produced the desired result starts to come to pass. That that the uh, the inconsistency of Adrian Martinez will be diminished somewhat. It's not going to go away, but it's going to be diminished. And, and, and if we get more consistent play out of our quarterback, if we get reasonable play out of our special teams, we win two, three games uh, that we have historically been losing the last three years and really the last five years. You go back to the last couple of years of the right. Riley era yeah. Yeah. and then, uh, and then the first three years of Scott Frost, he's lost so many games where we frankly, our team lost the game. The other team didn't beat us, you know? Right. And so if okay. we can just clean those things up and I think we have the chance to be salty defensively where we're solid pretty much everywhere. And we have some depth so that one injury won't kill us in terms of you know, our performance on the field. So, my 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 feeling is, gosh, are we going to be nine, ten wins and win the division? No, I'm not there at all. But what I am saying is, we have the basis, the core, of something to build on, and I think that there is reasonable um, thought to be optimistic that we can get to that six or seven win total this year, and then win a bowl game and maybe be at eight wins. I mean, imagine being seven and five. You know, you lost to every all most of the big names that are on your schedule. You're good, but you're not great, right? You right. didn't win the conference uh, division well, right. or any of that. But
0: from where we've been the past right. three years, that would, would be huge. a big improvement.
1: Absolutely. Then you go to a bowl game, you play some middle-of-the-road bowl game, and you win that game, and all of a sudden you're 8-5, and five, right. and you got optimism.
0: Those who have listened to us for a while, though, will know that that's essentially the diagnosis we've given pretty much every season <laughs> under Frost. And it doesn't materialize. We lose those games where, you know, it's by less than seven points. Right. But we find a way to lose them. Right. And uh, it, that doesn't reflect how close they were. Doesn't matter. Yeah, that's true. In, in, the, uh, in just looking at the and, record. And I'm,
1: I'm choosing to do that because the alternative is we need to burn the house down again and start over. And I don't want to even contemplate that. At least not now. I want to give Scott all the support and, and his staff that I can. Uh, in the hopes that they can begin to show signs of where this thing could truly head. Mm
0: -hmm. That's what I want to say too. So we'll see how it's going. We're planning on doing a podcast uh, this upcoming month in July to go over some more national topics. We have time to cover today. For example, the rumblings about a possible 12-team playoff. And uh, the effects that might have on the upcoming seasons and players not going, wanting to go to bowl games, opting out, et cetera, et cetera. So there's lots going on in the world of college football. Uh, But if you want to listen to those, you can go ahead and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. You can reach out to us at huskerpete13 at gmail.com. If you want to let us know what you think of the podcast, give us a question that we can read out on the air. We always love hearing from the fans. Or you can leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and let us know how you think we're doing. So thank you for joining me, Dad. It's been fun to do this in person again. It has been, yes. Yep, it's been too long. And until next time, Go Big Red!
1: Go Big Red!